Earthquakes are some of the most destructive events on this planet, snuffing out lives by the thousands and destroying entire cities. The worst part is, we can't really predict them in advance. Or can we? The elusive oarfish is often considered an incredibly long harbinger of earthquakes, and some people see sightings of them as a sign of impending disaster. Let's find out just how much truth there is to this in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song to hear more of Cassie's music. Search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And today we're talking about the longest boy in the ocean, but more on that later. And thank you to Brian for the art. We don't thank him enough. Look at the art. Just gaze upon it. Yes. I command you to gaze upon it's his art. (laughs) Is that that is that a millipede reference from Charlie the Unicorn episode five? Yes, yes, it is. Oh my goodness! I don't know if we can recommend that, but it... I don't think we can either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, wow, wow, De- that was a deep. That was the the deepest of cuts. Like, are, the, you, are the, you bleeding out because of how deep that cut is? The cut was so deep there were oarfish swimming around. It was almost like it was the first cut. Because the first cut is the deepest. Baby, I know. Oh, I don't know that song. Ugh, Cat Stevens. Yeah, um, I don't listen to Cats. It's not my favorite musical. It's is. I don't know if it's anyone's favorite musical. <laughs> no one I care to know. But yeah, we're talking. Would you like to? You said it. I did. But I say it, right? Yes, that's right. We're talking about the giant oarfish. Correct. Also known as the king of herrings, the ribbon fish, and the streamer fish. So it's a, it's got a Twitch stream if you want to subscribe. <laughs> thanks for the bits. Subscribe and thanks for all the bits. Perfect. <laughs> Lots of references wrapped into one. Um, that and th- those aren't my nicknames. Those are what it's also called. But we're gonna call it here, Dark Shoals. Yeah. Invisiteeth the scaleless. Good. Was, I, I wor- that was was a, a really tough one because it doesn't have scales, so I wanted to go something the scaleless. We had already done the Dark Souls reference, but I couldn't find anything that rhymed with seeth. And it doesn't re- it said the Wikipedia page says it, says it has no visible teeth, so in Invisiteeth the scaleless. And the, the last one I've got is the seismic-sensitive serpent. But it's not a serpent. It's a serpentine something. But it I couldn't find, think of anything that started with S that also described a fish. Well, there's a reason that that works, and we'll talk about that later. Yep, yep, yep. So taxonomize this for us, Captain. Okay, well, it's in the kingdom, you know, love, and reside within. The kingdom animalia. Mm-hmm. It's in the phylum Chordata. Uh, it has a spine because it's in the class Actinoptergy, which is bony fish. Yep. It's in the order Lampriformes. Lampriformes. 
which is you know it's like a lamprey it looks like lamp it loves which, lamp. which is true lampreys are long boys this is a long boy uh the family is regalicidae yeah regalicidae yeah something regal like cinemas Reg- <laughs> not a sponsor <laughs> not if- yet what if it? What if we were sponsored by Regal Cinemas, which probably doesn't have a lot of marketing budget right now, but we just found a weird uh, nomenclature term. The only reason we're doing this animal is because it sort of sounds like Regal Cinemas. Yeah, we kind of have to like work a branding deal in into one of our episodes, and this is it. Yeah. We also got sponsored by Pink Floyd several episodes again ago, <laughs> so that's why we had to do the pistol shrimp. Yeah, buy their new album. Pink Floyd is still happening. The light side of the light of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> this the side we already know about and yeah, see. Yeah, the side the side we see all the time. <laughs> the normal side of the moon. <laughs> the, uh, let's talk about genus. Genus is Regalicus. Regalicus. Sure, Regalicus. Regalicus. Sure. I'll t- I'll Regalicus. No, that's the that's that's HR's email chain about a woman named Gail who swears too much in the office. It's <laughs> 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 just question mark Gail cuss. <laughs> Read the Gail cuss situation. She she called somebody a stupid head earlier. <laughs> What? In in finance, and I I I I feel like we need to address it. Write her up. <laughs> Write her up. Uh, the species is Gleason, Jackie Gleason. Uh, Gleason, Glessney, 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 Gless you. Uh, so that makes the binomial name Regalicus Glessney. I feel very glessed. <laughs> hashtag lust. Uh, keep hashtags out of here. <laughs> this is an internet show. No, it's a podcast. <laughs> uh, since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for. Well, I had to be a little bit creative here because it's fish, and we all know what fish swim in. Um, also, I couldn't find the water. Word of the uh, a uh, translation for Glesney. So we're gonna call this section Languid Languages, which is the uh, the third the second fallback, the bronze tier. If <laughs> there are, uh, the other options are not available, um, and so which one of the following, Joe? Is the uh, the word f- or the phrase for king of herrings? This is going to be from various languages and backgrounds, and uh, the king of herrings is it's the giant oarfish's nickname. And so, go ahead and guess which one of these means king of herrings. Is it A. Regalicus? Is it B. A Rocala? Is it C? Siliconingus? Or is it D? Oceanodromus? 
Oh, give me the second two, the middle two, again. Uh, Arocala, Siliconingus. I mean, King of Fish, Regalicus. King of Herrings. Oh yeah, King of Herrings. Regalicus sounds like king. That third one is striking my fancy. What is it again? Siliconingus. What's the second one again? Arocala. I'm going with that one, Arocala. So B, Arocala, that's your final answer? Yes. Incorrect. You should have gone with your fancy. The answer is Silicon Ingus. Silicon? It's not, it's S-I-L-I-K-U-N-I-N-G-A-S. It's Finnish. So that's why it doesn't, it doesn't really like, conform to our, uh, you know, Latin and Greek preconceived notions of prefixes and suffixes and things like that. Arocala is Finnish for or fish, literally, or and fish, Arocala. And Regalicus is the genus, and that just means royal, and that's Latin. And then Oceanodromus just means a, a fish that migrates. Regalicus signifies belonging to a king. Yeah, royal. And the epithet Gleisni from Gleisnes from the f- name of a farm... Uh, not far from Norway's second largest, Bergen, city of Bergen, where the type specimen was found. Yeah, I couldn't really turn that into a um, nitty-gritty nomenclature, where one of the it's options named, was Royal Random Town in Finland or whatever, or Sweden. Belonging to a king farm. <laughs> Specific farm. Do you want to hear a description? I do. I would like that. The oarfish is a long, slender, bony fish with a body shape like a flat tube. Uh, in other words, it it's wide along its y-axis up and down instead of along its x-axis like most bony fish. Most bony fish are like this, except for like flounders, which it's are a, wider along your x-axis. It's a ribbon. It's a ribbon fish. They often uh, come in a very bluish, a pale bluish gray color with a red dorsal fin like a roman centurion that runs the the length of its body its head comes to a rounded flat side like a mahi mahi's face almost and it has an upside down u-shaped frowny face mouth that kind of uh uh grumpy but also aghast now everyone everyone make right now Make that face the the fish upside grumpy face upside down you right now now think about the drivers next to you that think you're a weirdo um, <laughs> this person is so upset uh, they also have a long crested or a long crest that comes out of the top of their heads so that the ribbon uh, dorsal fin is really long right at the part that's the top of their head. And two pelvic fins, which are also really long and thin, uh, come down. And these pelvic fins are really close to their heads. So the fish is mostly tail. <laughs> so it, you've, if you look at a picture and you see the really long parts that come toward, like go straight down, 
Though that's their pelvic fin, which is usually at the back of a fish. That's like the end of the fish part. And yeah. And the rest of it is tail. Yeah. All their uh, organs are up there as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It really is just a tail. What's it for then? One must ask. Uh, but speaking of long and and uh, size, we have to relate the the animal size in terms that are great. <laughs> you, you still have a couple. I use the word relatable. relate. Yeah. <laughs> relate the relatable turns in relatable ways. So welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing or chittering, the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We do have a new measure up. We don't. No. We do not. Oh, what? Rapid hope lost. Oh, my goodness. That was Streaming infidelities. Uh we don't, but that means we get to hear from an animal, and Gar- Carlos has to guess what it is. He's forced to. I have to, yes. By the laws. I'm. It's in my contract. <laughs> Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Okay. I don't like it. Is that A, a Muscovy duck? Is it B, a bean goose, a delightfully named fowl? Or is it C, a mute swan? Or D, a magpie goose? A magpie? I thought a magpie was something entirely different. Magpie is a bird, but it's not a goose, usually. I guess it's like... Eagle owl. It's just taking two different birds and putting them together, but it really is the last thing. Yeah, exactly. It would be ironic if it was the mute swan. I have no idea. I'm gonna go with mute swan just because I I kind of hope that that's that's the answer. Yeah. So the, there's trumpeter swans, but there's also just a mute a muted trumpet swan. <laughs> uh, final answer. Yep. The correct answer is Muscovy Duck. Ah, so did you just take that video outside of your house? <laughs> I could have, but I did not. They even they even sound grating. Hissing. Although that's a sound that geese and swans can make too. The hissing sound. Yeah, I've I've traded the Muscovy ducks of South Florida for the Canadian much much larger and much more aggressive Canadian geese of uh here in Jacksonville. And they're louder, too. We're getting a lot great. of Egyptian geese, which also make a lot of... But their their sounds are mostly honks. Uh, but let's talk length. They're generally around 8 meters or 26 feet. But they may be as much as 11 meters and 36 feet, though that's unconfirmed. So we're going with the upper end of average for confirmed. So that's 26 feet, 8 meters. It's a long fish. That's like a long fish. It's like a uh, a whale shark. How many oarfish go into the longest oars on the Tessera Contraries, which is a Greek catamaran galley from the Hellenistic period? Okay. 
Well, here's a hint. Because it has ores. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's a hint. The Tesseract Contraries was built by Ptolemy IV. The ship was reportedly so large that it was impractical and existed only as a prestige vehicle. Gotta love those ancient prestige vehicles. Um, Then I'm going to say one. Because it's a 26-foot oar. No, no. Yeah, I'll say one. One to one. Yeah, one to one. The correct answer is 2.1. Ah. 50-foot oar. How does the longest snap rowing, yeah, forty. It's thirty-eight cubits, or forty-seven feet and seventeen meters. That's when you say it's in cubits, then I know that it's old. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about weight. But first, last time we did measure up, there was a small uprising. There was a a uh, just a, a, a little coup, and as a benevolent but just president. We're going to have to have some sort of retribution, some sort of. Just I think president is uh, justice. Elected as an as as the official listener's favorite part of the show. Elect Des- <laughs> despot, maybe. Maybe that, maybe that works. Okay. The coup d'état uh, was unsuccessful. He's on to us. Now we'll just get through it. We tried uh, to blow up parliament. And now we're just now look where some, we are. Some just desserts. Um, remember, remember thank, the 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 sixteenth of March. It doesn't rhyme, but you know. <laughs> uh, so so this is this is for Nora. This uh, this measure up. Uh, so ma- the maximum recorded uh, weight for an oarfish was two hundred and seventy uh, kilograms or six hundred pounds. How many oarfish go into the weight of the water of the ocean? You don't know that. I know what they've estimated it to be. I wish it so was. So here's a hint. I wish it was how many how many oarfish go into the weight of the band OAR and all their all their band equipment. It isn't. Uh, here's a hint. A gallon of water is around eight point three pounds or three point seven kilograms, and there are more than a million gallons of water in the ocean. I imagine there's more than a million. Possibly much more. <laughs> Are you uh, you doing the low anchor for me? Trying to get me to say 1.5 million because you you started so low. <laughs> Goodness, I know it's not a million. It's probably in the in the billions, if not trillions. I feel like a trillion would be it's a safe landing spot here. So I guess eight trillion gallons. Divided by 600. I don't have a calculator that can make this happen. <laughs> so we're going to work with... Just use the internet. I mean, just Google the equation. My guess is 13 billion oarfish weights go into the weight of the water in the ocean. 13 billion oarfish. Yes. Final answer. Uh-huh. Well, there are... 352 quintillion gallons. Ah. In the correct answer is 4 quintillion 869 quadrillion 
33 trillion 333 billion 333 million 333,000. Uh, my brain is just has just turned off. 333. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, so quite a large number. Uh, Nora, I appreciate what you were doing, but look what you've done. <laughs> look what you've wrought. <laughs> well, see, that's it. That's it. Justice has been served. Okay, and now we can move on to fast facts. That was a that was a gross overuse of of the state's monopoly on violence. <laughs> Numbers past a trillion are violence. Yes, violence um, to my psyche and uh, emotional and mental well being. Are you prepared for fast facts now? Yeah, yep. Alrighty, so as with many animals that live in the pelagic zone in the ocean, the giant oarfish is very elusive. Adding to its off-the-grid nature, it also migrates constantly, following food sources. So for that reason, we don't know much about their behavior in the wild. Their first, The first reliable video of an oarfish came in 2010 which was spotted in the Gulf of Mexico. Hmm. So pretty, you know, it's elusive when it takes, you know, the entire population, entire history of of humankind, having a video camera in their pocket for us to get it. So oarfish have no teeth. So that nickname you gave it earlier makes sense in two ways. Would you say like Invisa tooth or something? Like, yeah, Invisa teeth is scaleless. Play on Seath Scalos, but you can also go Invisalign. Uh, but Invisit Teeth, it has no teeth. Instead, it has four to 50 gill rakers, which are not gills, like as in the breathing things. Instead, they're like these bristly long thingies that are used for suspension feeding. Kind of like um, similar to baleen, but not quite. It's not, it's not a, it's not a filtering process. It it's like a it it looks like little toothbrushes with bristles on all the sides. So it might I don't know if it, it might I don't know if it's for filtering or if it's just like catching little it's ironic. little things. It has a mouth full of toothbrushes but no teeth. <laughs> That's irony. No yeah. no teeth to brush them with. Toothbrushes, toothbrushes everywhere, but not a tooth so it could to just brush. Grind its uh, brill things, and it's brushing its itself. Gill rakers. Gill rakers uh, sounds like the name of some legendary warrior or warrior class. It's like, <laughs> oh, they're members of the gill rakers. A style of ship, I feel like a gill raker. Yeah, like a, a specific, like a tugboat. We that's don't need a tugboat for this. We need a gill raker. That's what we need. That's true. It's it's lithe, fast, and um, and can sail against the wind. That's yeah, what a gill raker does. Uh, so, oarfish have been seen floating vertically with its tail down, and we don't know why they do this. Though it may be, it may have something to do with how they feed, which they feed on krill primarily. Uh, which is what a fish without teeth would want to do. But they also eat other small fish and squid when they have a chance. Eggs are laid in the open water, and they float near the surface until they hatch. The eggs are tiny, 
these guys grow to be really long, but their eggs are only 2.5 millimeters or 0.1 inches in diameter. Just goes to show if you have faith the size of an oarfish egg <laughs> can blossom into an, a, a 26 foot long sea monster. The longest fish in the ocean. I didn't mention that, but they are the longest fish in the ocean. Longest bony fish. Yes. Because the longest fish in the ocean would be... Is the whale shark? The whale shark, and that's cartilaginous. Cartilaginous. Mm -hmm. Uh, fish aren't fished commercially, but they can be caught as bycatch, which is accidental catch. Um, But because of their long shape, and this ties into another thing you said, uh, because of their long shape, they're thought... Uh, it's thought that they are the reason why people report sea serpents. Yeah, I can totally see that. If if manatees were mermaids, then this is definitely sea serpents. <laughs> Especially like like yeah, it's it, it's Jormungandr. It's the world serpent. That thing's like twenty feet. It must go around the entire world. <laughs> it must circle the globe, Ouroboros style. All right, is uh, is that it for the general info? That's all I got. Well, it's a good segue uh, because my major fact is about uh, mythologies. So, yeah, people initially thought this was a, well, yeah, thought it was a sea serpent. Um, but the mythology of the oarfish goes deeper than that, particularly in Japanese mythology. In fact, fish in general are prominent in Japanese mythology. Um, and specifically, their earthquake lore. And you can't really have a solid ancient mythology without a robust helping of earthquake lore, to be honest. I mean, what are you even doing if you don't have earthquake lore? <laughs> uh, you have to be able to explain these events. Um, so in Japan, earthquakes are said to be caused by a country-sized catfish. Sorry, catfish demon <laughs> named... <laughs> Namazu or Namazu um, it lives under Japan and whenever he shakes his tail uh, the earthquake shakes the islands now if you type in <laughs> Namazu into Google you're going to get a lot of uh, a, a small adorable Final Fantasy character that's not the Namazu that uh, folklore is, is using there are a couple cool pictures of this like giant fish that kind of makes up the the tectonic plates under under Japan, but uh, don't be fooled by this uh, doofy bell wearing fish thing from Final Fantasy. Um, oh, I see both. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, fish play a prominent role in Japanese mythology. Or fish are thought to be the messengers of Ryujin the Japanese equivalent of Poseidon or Neptune, the uh, the dragon god of the ocean. Um, and since they live so deep, oarfish are rarely seen by people, like you said, um, but they are seen in large quantities, well, large-ish quantities. They'll go, go a long time without anybody seeing them, and suddenly a bunch of them will show up. Um, and when this happens they were considered to be the harbingers of earthquakes sent by King Ryujin to warn people of these natural disasters, which is why I called them seismic-sensitive serpents. And 
This was widely held in Japan even as late as 1855 when Tokyo was demolished by a massive earthquake just after several oarfish were caught as by, bycatch in fishermen's nets. So they're like, oh, we never see these, you know, dragon messengers, and suddenly we see a bunch of them, and then now we have earthquake. Messengers, oarfish equals earthquake. So, uh, like most ancient mythologies, it the idea of both a catfish making earthquakes and the oarfish being the harbinger of those earthquakes, um, it fell into obscurity for the it, once we got into the 19th century and industrialization took place and all that stuff. But uh, all the, that was fine all the way up until about a, a dozen oarfish washed up on Japan's shores in 2010. And then in 2011, we had the uh, the devastating earthquake uh, off of the coast of Fukush- Fukushima. Killed almost 20,000 people and caused three nuclear reactor meltdowns. So this Oof. revived the myth. Um, not that they're the messengers of some ocean deity, but that they are like uh, canaries in the coal mine when it comes to earthquakes. So, the question is, are they sensing tectonic movement or magnetic changes? And are they trying to swim away from the ocean floor? Can we use the appearance of oarfish, either in as bycatch or on uh, the shores, to predict and prepare for natural disasters like earthquakes? And the answer is no. There's no... There's no uh, scientific believable cause for these correlations outside of it just being coincidence but they do get stranded in waves <laughs> um, <laughs> so you, you won't see any for a long time for years and then suddenly you know a dozen will will wash up on shore and we'll get a new uh, outcropping of, of videos and pictures so scientists did decide to study uh, this because there's got to be something to this. And while nothing is absolutely conclusive, there was a study in 2018 that showed a correlation between uh, oarfish strandings and uh, El Nino years. So if you don't know what the El Nino is, it's a, um, it's a, a far-reaching weather phenomenon that uh, changes up the ecosystem. For, I won't go. I won't go into detail, but it's it's a it's a large yeah weather phenomenon, for like a better term that um, that can change currents, it can change storms, um, cause more storms, cause different levels of um, air pressure, and uh, it's 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 a it's a pretty big thing that happens every once in a while. So it's named after baby Jesus, is it? Yeah. Why? The child. I guess, but isn't that also the name of like a ra- or there's isn't the fastest race car in the world called El Nino too? It's either named after Baby Jesus or Baby Yoda, and Baby Yoda came way after El Ninos. <laughs> I thought of I I I guess. I mean, it makes sense if uh, if since it's in Spanish, and most Spanish-speaking countries are Catholic, so if something's called El Nino in a Spanish-speaking country, you know exactly who it's talking about, who they're talking about. Um, that's odd because it's oftentimes very destructive. 
um, and can sometimes result in the extinction of whole species. But one of the things that ha- happens is that um, the surface water goes up several degrees in temperature during an El Nino year. So plankton and krill naturally go toward warmer water and that would bring the oarfish into warmer water or, or surface clo- water that's closer to the surface. And uh, I, I don't know if we met, we didn't mention this, but the way that the oarfish swims, it doesn't undulate like you would think, like a like a a, 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 a sea snake would, like kind of um, moving its head back and forth and its whole body doing this S shape to move forward. It actually uses its dorsal fin to move forward. So the um, it just propels itself using what's called an uh, am- amiform mode of swimming. So it just kind of it it undulates just the top part of its fin, and that that keeps it going. That that keeps it going forward. So it's basically it's either swimming vertically, like you said, when it's feeding, or it's just swimming straight. But it's not it's not very fast or strong. And it can't just gliding forward magically, kind of like Princess Leia in the Disney Star Wars. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that. So yeah, when when it gets up into when the oarfish chases it, and since it's migratory, it goes where the prey goes. So if the prey goes into warmer, shallower, stronger currents, then the oarfish will go there, and it will often get exhausted because it's only using its dorsal fin. And won't be able to get back down and will find itself beached or caught up in a fisherman's net or something like that. So that is the, that's the prevailing theory for why there are a lot of oarfish sightings and strandings during El Nino years. Now, if we can find a correlation between El Nino years and earthquakes, then maybe we're on to something. But we're still very far from the idea that they're messengers of the dragon god. (laughs) And that's all I got. That's sad. I kind of wish they were, there was something to the folklore. It can't be that easy. (laughs) Well, I mean, it could, I I could see a world where like they're very sensitive to like vibrations and they can tell when tectonic plates are about to scrape. Yeah, but like. A year in advance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. By the time you saw an oarfish that was fleeing a, a, a an earthquake, you have already encountered the earthquake. Other fish, apparently, like slender ribbon fish, are also implicated in earthquakes. They're implicated. They're... All, <laughs> I, you could tell I'm on Google Scholar by the words I'm saying. Although the catalog might not include all of the fish... All of the events of deep sea fish appearances around Japan because of a lack of whole coverage observation. So it's kind of like confirmation bias. Yeah, which is what a lot of people were doing. They were they re- retroactively attributed the appearance of oarfish the year before the Fukushima earthquake to the actual earthquake, which I'm I imagine they didn't think too much about it in 2010 before the earthquake. It's kind of like when you learn a word and then you start hearing that word or when you buy a car and you start seeing that car. Yeah, that's called Bader-Meinhof syndrome. I do know <laughs> that offhand. 
Nice. <laughs> it's a yeah, where you where you just you start your brain starts noticing things that you've uh, taken an interest in when they were there all along. I remember for a while I thought that um, I, w- I thought the vans were no longer really a thing that people bought anymore, and I couldn't. I was like, oh, I don't. I guess people don't really buy like they don't make new vans anymore. And then I started shopping for a van, and now I see them everywhere. Yeah, Honda but, Odysseys are everywhere still. Yeah, it's a great car, except for where Dodge it's just, Caravan. It too. just absolutely stops working on you in the middle of the of the night. Yeah, when they're like ten years old, fifteen years old. No, it's only. It's nine. This ten years old. <laughs> all right, that's all I got for the Orifice. You got anything else? That's all I got. All right, for you out there in Podcastia, putts along in the depths. Don't get caught in stray nets, and warn humans of impending natural disasters like the Orifice here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> I like Bean Goose. That's gonna be my next gamer tag if I ever have to choose another one. If I ever have, if they ever bring back AIM, I'm gonna make my AOL Instant Messenger name Bean you should, Goose. You should just start playing World of Warcraft and be Bean Goose. It's like <laughs> Bean Goose is the DPS tank. <laughs>